2: This is Squawk Pod, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy on the challenges of leading in a time of coronavirus.
1: Imagine predicting in late April what late June would look like in America, we probably none of us would have gotten it right.
2: And enforcing a quarantine for visitors from virus hotspots to New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut.
1: It's very simple. We have gone through hell. None of us want to have to go back through that hell again if we could possibly avoid it.
2: And our investors gearing up for a Joe Biden win in November? Pollster Frank Luntz weighs in on a Trump slump in the polls.
3: I watch what the president says. And quite frankly, the language that he's using is not like language of the American people. He's being very tough. The public wants empathy.
2: Those stories, plus New York City scooting is in, food sampling is out, kind of. Hard pass on that for me. And Ford's new truck is taking remote work to a whole new level. Pickup truck buyers crave technology and comfort
4: as much as brawn and towing power.
2: It's Friday, June 26th, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now good morning everybody welcome to squawk
5: box here on cnbc i'm becky quick along with joe kernan and andrew ross sorkin it is closing in on july and joe you know what that means uh,
4: the days are getting shorter days are getting shorter you were impressed with that huh I'm gonna, that i knew if it were near the end of june I, that's you know people tune in for info so july is next mm-hmm. july is next and it could come could come as early as next week we'll just have to see you know what
5: else today is
4: uh, no, I don't.
5: It's Friday. Oh, it I'm is Friday. Friday, you're it's in love. Friday.
4: You're still in love with Matt. Yeah, That's nice. Son. That's nice.
5: I am. I am. Yeah. You guys are too. Penelope, yep. uh, So Pilar. much.
4: So much. Just in love yes. with my whole family. I'm in love That's with people part. I work with. I'm uh, looking at you, Sorkin. Looking at you. Yeah. You're, you are on a Thanks. huge,
2: huge screen, too. First up today on the podcast, From Reopening to Rethinking, Florida and Texas announcing a pause in their reopening plans as coronavirus cases in those states continue to climb. Separately, the CDC says it's possible the number of infections in the U.S. could be 10 times higher than the confirmed case count. Earlier this week, the governors of the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey and Connecticut announced that visitors arriving from states with surging coronavirus numbers will be asked to self-quarantine for 14 days or face fines. Here's Becky.
5: We welcome Governor Phil Murphy from New Jersey. He's been uh, watching his state open up after four long months. And, and, Governor, thanks for being with us this morning. When you get out there, you really start to see people who are back out in restaurants again, going out shopping, out at beaches and at parks. And uh, I just wonder, as you watch this, if you worry that we're going to see a rise in cases and, and what numbers you're watching, how you're measuring this to decide if we're doing this the right way.
1: First of all, seriously, it's good to be back with you. And we do worry Um which is why we've been taking this in in very specific uh, uh, phases in terms of reopening. Uh, outdoors is a lot less concerning than indoors. That's not to say there aren't concerns outside, but the the concerns pale in comparison to say inside lacking ventilation, sedentary, close proximity that's a bad those are bad uh, characteristics for this virus. The things we look at most uh, closely in terms of Our guides are rate of transmission. If it's under one, that means less than one other person is getting infected. If they're in contact with someone who has got the virus, uh, the spot positivity rate, meaning what percentage of folks getting tested are actually positive for COVID-19. And thirdly is new hospitalizations. Those are the three here and now data points. We look at a lot of data, but those are the three that matter the most.
5: We have seen things get a little out of control in states like Texas, uh, Florida, Arizona, even in California. You're starting to see some real pickups in these things. And and we spoke with Dr. Scott Gottlieb. I know you're familiar with Scott, and uh, you know him well. He said that contact tracing is not being done very effectively in, in a state like Texas. They don't know why young people there are getting it.
6: These states aren't really doing um, very good contact tracing work to isolate the source of the spread. They think it's congregate settings where young people are gathering because young people are the ones who are getting infected at a higher percentage. And so they've they've um, they've identified the bars Uh, and most of the people, apparently most of the people who are presenting sick, the young people who are presenting sick, have identified that they've been in a bar recently or a lot of them when I talk to the physicians, but they don't know for sure.
5: How prepared are you in New Jersey in terms of contact tracing to try and figure out if there's a, a spike in cases, where it's coming from and why?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't speak to the specifics of Texas. Scott is a great uh, guy and, and has been a great advisor, a Jersey guy, by the way. Um, we, have, uh, we have since day one Uh, Remember, none of us had any of this at the beginning, so if you're looking for a source of comfort, folks, or silver lining, it's testing, tracing, plans to isolate uh, folks who have the virus. We had none of that as a country or as a state three or four months ago. We now test in the top couple per capita states in the nation, uh, with the great help of Rutgers, uh, our, our flagship state university. We're adding, uh, meaningfully, to the already 900 contact tracers we have. Uh, we hope to get up over 2,000 within the next couple of weeks. Uh, I, I hope and believe that our approach will be effective. Um, again, our numbers have gotten, notwithstanding the loss of over 13,000 people, it's hard to believe we've lost that many in New Jersey alone. But our numbers have gotten dramatically better. So we've been able to do the contact tracing up until now at least, with local and county tracers. We have 900 of them on the field. So far, so good. Uh, But we want to make sure we've got a capacity that looks like our testing capacity, just in case. And and I think we all have to be prepared for this. We hope for the best, but prepare for the worst, that this is going to flare up, uh, and we need that tracing infrastructure in place. Uh, Anecdotally, again, it's far more concerning inside than outside, uh, at least in New Jersey. I can't speak for Texas. Uh, That's where our biggest concerns are.
5: Governor, you have a press conference later today to talk about um, the schools and and a plan for getting the schools ready for a fall. Do you think schools will open in September?
1: I do. I do, Becky. Um, We want them to, and I do believe they will. Um, Again, you can't, you know, we're a couple of months out. So imagine predicting in uh, late April what late June would look like in America. Probably none of us would have gotten it right, good or bad. So with that big caveat, uh, two months out, uh, I believe we will be back in school. It will be a new normal. There will be protocols in place that have not been in place before. Uh, But as good a job as our state did under really challenging circumstances in terms of virtual learning, there's an enormous desire and appetite from educators, parents, kids to get back to school. And God willing, that's what we will do.
5: How do you do that and, and properly social distance? Are, is the school day going to look the same? Will the kids be there together? Or are you looking for other places to try and house students? How, how, how are you proceeding?
1: We'll get into that in, in a fair amount of detail this afternoon, but it'll be a combination of some of those very things There's going to be obviously a big emphasis on social distancing. Uh, the, the hardest nut to crack, uh, we've seen this in long-term care. We've seen it in society generally is the asymptomatic, healthy young person unwittingly passing the virus to someone who's in an older generation and or someone with other underlying health issues. And that's the one that we've got to be most cautious about. And again, we'll get into that later on today.
5: How does that play out just in terms of of sports? Because for for high school sports, a lot of those practices start uh next month and and well into august watching how we've seen some of the concerns that have propped up with college football that's already back practicing and and some of the coronavirus spread there do you have a plan for that
1: well we started non-contact uh sports uh this past monday uh in terms of practices we are going to go live with uh with actual games. And there's going to be a great baseball tournament called The Last Dance, mimicked from the Michael Jordan uh, ESPN drama, <laughs> which is essentially going to mimic the, what would have been a high school uh, tournament uh, in the state. Uh, we, we got to do it carefully though. I mean, all, all of this is, you know, we've got to take incremental steps. Uh, this is a virus that no one knows everything about, even the, even the experts like Scott and others. Uh, we're learning as we go. Uh, and we've got, again, the 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 benefit of being incremental is you, you, you can learn more easily from a given step that you've taken and sports will be no different from that. Uh,
5: Governor, it, watching what's happening with the travel advisory that, that you, along with the governors of New York and Connecticut, are putting in place now for anyone who visits or comes from a state with a high transmission. They've got to quarantine for 14 days when they come back to one of our these three states. Um, is that payback for what Florida was doing before, for what Rhode Island was doing before? And, and how do you actually enforce this? President Trump says when he comes to New Jersey to his golf club, it doesn't apply to him because he's not a civilian. How, how will you be out there enforcing this?
1: Yeah, we, we had a little bit of a different take than the president, but uh, there is a carve out for essential workers, and by any definition, the president of the United States is an essential worker. So uh, the president is, uh, is welcome, obviously, in, in New Jersey. Um, No, this is not payback at all. Uh, And by the way, we wish nothing but we pray for Florida, we pray for any of the other states that are having outbreaks right now, that they please God are able to get to a better place as fast as possible and save as many lives as possible. It's very simple. We have gone through hell. New Jersey, as I said, has lost over 13,000 folks. New York, even more. Connecticut, a huge number. Uh, None of us wanna have to go back through that hell again if we can possibly avoid it. And so what we're asking is for folks to do the right thing, personal responsibility. If you know you've been in a state with a high positivity rate or a high number of new cases, do the right thing. Come back, uh, self-quarantine, and get tested. You know, in New Jersey, as I mentioned, we have built a testing apparatus and capacity unlike any American state. Let's use it. Uh, and if folks have been in a, a high infected, highly infected uh, part of the country, let's, let's get, get, get them to get out and go tested, be by themselves, let, let this period run through, and again, do the right thing and be responsible. We call it common sense for the common good, not just for yourself or your family, but for the community at large.
6: Governor, I just wanted to ask you about the voluntary approach to, to all of this and the idea of common sense. And frankly, I think if we're being uh, honest with each other, there's been a lot of common sense that has not been used. Uh, throughout this pandemic around the country. And that's one of the reasons that we're in this uh, mess and situation that we're in. The reason I ask it, or the reason I raise this this question is, to the extent there are going to be people coming in from from states that are high risk, in in other countries, and we can talk about uh, liberties and freedoms, uh, but in other countries, if you were going to have people flying in from Florida, rather than do a 14-day quarantine, you would test them on the spot. When they land at Newark, you would test them. And then you would trace them. And it doesn't seem like there's any actual procedure or mechanism to do that. There doesn't even seem to be a tracing mechanism for people who are flying in to these places. Now, people can drive in from other places, I know. But why aren't we being more stringent about
1: this? Listen, uh, we, we don't have the constitutional ability to put roadblocks up on our borders, as you rightfully uh, point out. I, I would just say this common sense and personal responsibility have actually overwhelmingly been the the, the words that have have defined how New Jersey, and and I know New Jersey the best, obviously, uh, has performed over the past three or four months. We've asked folks to stay home. They stayed home. We've asked them to keep social distances. They did. Uh, We asked to wear face coverings when they go out. They they wear them particularly when they're indoors. Uh, Wash your hands with soap and water. This is yet another ask of ours. Uh, And again, it's a lot of responsibility. We get that but folks have overwhelmingly done uh, the, the right things. And, 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 and I, I believe they will continue to. This is a kind of, it's, it's not a hard one, right? So you know that if you've been in a state with a high level of infection, uh, you know, you gotta say to yourself, okay, I get it. I'm going back into, I don't want this to get into my family or my community. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna do the right thing and folks have done that. And I, and I have, we put, a lot of, we put a lot of faith in our folks So far, it has paid off. Have there been knuckleheads? Have there been folks who didn't comply? Of course, uh, but overwhelmingly folks have complied. We wouldn't have the numbers today, which is among the lowest positivity rates, among the lowest rates of transmission, uh, among the lowest new hospitalization rates in America, if folks hadn't done the right thing. And I believe they'll continue to.
5: Governor Murphy, thank you for being with us this morning. Obviously, we're watching uh, this state and every state very closely as this proceeds, but we appreciate your time today. (laughs) And we'll talk to him soon. Uh, Again, that was Governor Murphy from New Jersey.
2: Next on Squawk Pod, pollster Frank Luntz on the state of the presidential race, a little more than four months from election day.
3: Joe Biden has been pretty quiet. We haven't seen much from him. And yet the quieter he is, the better he's doing in the surveys. That ought to tell you something. The more that Donald Trump speaks, the worse he's showing up.
2: What's on the horizon for financial markets? This is Squawk Pond from CNBC. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin.
6: Business executives and the markets, they are bracing for a potential Joe Biden win now in November as the president's numbers slide in national and swing state polls. When we get to Frank Luntz, he's a pollster and political strategist. Uh, he's been spending a lot of time, I should say all his time, thinking about what is about to happen next. So, Frank, walk us through the polls because a lot of investors are, are now focused and, 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 and at least... If you look at the betting, betting sites
3: and the polls, uh, it, it now appears that Biden may win. I'm not surprised because the national numbers really don't matter. And this is where Joe Biden has surged to a 10 to 14 point lead. What really matters is Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida, even Ohio is up for grabs. States that Donald Trump won in 2016 have now shifted towards Joe Biden by anywhere from six to 10 points. And that's significant. That's beyond the margin of error. Second is that Trump goes to Tulsa, Oklahoma, which should be a rock bed of Republican support. And he doesn't even come close to filling up the arena. And this is in his core constituency. And third, Joe Biden has been pretty quiet. We haven't seen much from him. And yet the quieter he is, the better he's doing in the surveys. That ought to tell you something. The more that Donald Trump speaks, I think it's the message, I think it's what he's saying, the worse he's showing up. Now, it's very early, he's still got more than four months to go. There have been a number of elections, uh, 76, 68, 1984, even uh, 2016, where the numbers changed in the last 30 days. So you never, ever count anyone out. But these have not been a good two weeks for Donald Trump.
6: Uh, There's a margin of error there in terms of these numbers. And of course, we thought, we talked about lots of margins of error, uh, you know, close to four years ago now. And it surprised a lot, a lot of people. So why are you so convinced? Just so we know.
3: So I look at the at the spread. I look at the trends where things are going over the last couple of weeks. And I watch what the president says. And quite frankly, the language that he's using is not language of the American people. He's being very tough. The public wants empathy. They want understanding. He talks about law and order. He should talk about public safety. He talks about his supporters being warriors. I just want to thank all of you. You are warriors. I've been watching. I've been watching the fake news for weeks now, and everything is negative. Don't go. Don't come. Don't do anything. Today, it was like I've never seen anything like it. I've never said anything like it. You are warriors. Thank you. What people really want is for him to stand up for hardworking taxpayers. He talks about draining the swamp when the swing voters, the people who are going to decide this election, they want someone who's going to fight for hardworking taxpayers. President's language is off.
6: Frank, but let me ask you this. What about the gaffes uh, that Biden makes and makes repeatedly? I believe it was just yesterday, the day before he made this uh, reference to 120 million people dying of the coronavirus. And a lot of people you have unnecessarily, now we have over 120 million dead from COVID, over 100. Clearly he, uh, you know, he, he missed that and, and should have taken a zero off of it because I think what he, he was talking about was 120,000 people. Uh, the president tweeting out that video uh, in fact, but do you think that uh, the American people
3: are gonna look past those mistakes? They are now because Biden has been quiet and Trump's been very uh, loud. I guess, is the best way to put it. And during the debates, you know that Biden's going to be held accountable for that. Yes. I mean, this election is absolutely not over. Uh, it, it's it's uh, but it's Joe Biden's right now. It's Joe Biden's to lose. And the, the key in all of this, if I were the Trump campaign, number one is I would demand five debates, not three. Number two is that I would change my lexicon. I would communicate much more with heart than with a fist. And number three, if I'm Joe Biden, I am. (laughs) Honestly, I'm staying in the basement. I'm staying away from the media because every time they film me, I make a gaffe. Every time they film me, I make a serious fundamental mistake. So let me ask you, Frank,
6: let me me, this is a strategy question, which is it goes to what you're saying the Trump administration and the Biden uh, the Biden campaign needs to do. You're saying Biden needs to just effectively disappear. But the other issue is that I think Trump has been historically most effective when he was going after Hillary Clinton, for example, of really hitting and hitting hard. That was a, a successful strategy at least four years ago. You don't think that same strategy
3: can apply in this case? No, that's exactly the point. That's exactly the point that things have changed. Conditions have changed. Our economy has changed. The way we relate to each other has changed. There is a riddleness, an anger, a frustration, an anxiety that exists in the American people that did not exist in 2016. And Hillary Clinton was very easy to dislike. And Donald Trump had her number. He knew exactly what to say. Now, in 2020, right. we have all this we, we have all this uh, ugliness in the streets all across the country. And the public is looking for something different. Andrew, don't rerun Frank, the campaign. L- let, me
6: ask, let me let me ask you about economic issues, though, uh, especially given this this audience that's watching us now. How do higher taxes play?
3: And what do you think that the business community really thinks about the way they want to vote right now? So we've been measuring this, and I will tell you that there's greater acceptance for higher taxes today than there has ever been in my research. And this goes back to Reagan-Mondale in 1984. That's how significant this is. A willingness <clears throat> to pay for the spending, a willingness to keep the economy going, a willingness to give something because of all the, all the unrest that's out there. That's number one. Number two is the business community just wants predictability. They just want to know what's going to happen. And if they get that, at this point, they're willing to support anyone who gives them a sense of stability and a sense that, that things will calm down. And that's why Biden has actually moved in the business community. People are now considering voting for him. Again, it is Donald Trump's language. It is not his policies that matter.
6: Okay, uh, Frank. Le- Frank, we will uh, talk to you again soon. I hope uh, as uh, as these campaigns heat up and uh, we learn more. Thanks so much for your perspective,
4: Joe. Thank you. I think uh, I think Biden immediately corrected that, but no one put it. Uh, but it's, he had to take three zeros off, Andrew. I'm correcting you. If you take one zero off, you're at 12 yes. million. You gotta th- yes, it's got to take. Yes, you're
6: right. But now I'm correct. Yes, you're correcting me, and I'm correcting me. But. They'll don't feel bad. Tape, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad
4: because it's been like a four-minute interview, and, and it took me four minutes to get that you needed three zeros uh, off instead of one. I'm doing scientific notation. So uh.
2: coming up, the rest of the stories that got us talking today.
4: I don't see myself in an F-150. I, 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 I don't. I, I never have. I don't see yourself in an F-150 either. Why? Really? Why? Why? You don't think I'm handy? Sorkin, you're not a. He's not either. If I'm not, he's not, okay?
6: My kids want a pickup
4: truck. I think I would buy a pickup truck
5: before either of you would. Okay, That whatever. actually may be
2: true. I, yeah. From Ford's new pickups to food samples and scooters on 7th. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you You're listening to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Joe.
4: Ford unveiling the first redesign of the nation's top-selling vehicle in six years, the new F-150, being turned into a rolling workstation. It's a bet by Ford that pickup truck buyers crave technology and comfort as much as brawn and towing power. Uh, The F-150 will have a broadband connection and a big flat surface between the front seats that can be used as a makeshift desk. The F-150 and its larger counterpart, the Super Duty, account for more than a third of Ford's U.S. sales. (laughs) I read all those features, Sorkin. I don't know whether they have a vacuum cleaner or not. uh, So I don't know whether it's preferable. That's all
6: I want. You know, if it has a... That's all, I, a vacuum cleaner is all I need. I don't really know. I think you'd like broadband
4: with a workstation. I think that for you, that might be appealing, I think. Although, until you, you went into that barn shot, I'm not sure the, I don't see myself in an F-150. I, I, I don't, I, I never have. I don't see
5: yourself in an F-150 either. Why, really, why,
4: <laughs> why? You don't think I'm I handy? I could pull it
5: off better than you could. Mm, yeah. Maybe. You said nice. super duty.
4: Not, okay, how about, yeah, super, I did say super duty. I saw some, <laughs> I have a German Shepherd. I, I have two of them, and I see that a lot. Uh, the dogs would look Massive super duties all around the yard. What about um, Sorkin? You're not a, he's not either. If I'm not, he's not. Okay? okay. Andrew's more of a, of, a, of a pickup truck guy than I am. I'm but, not
5: arguing with you. I'm not arguing with you.
6: I would love a pickup truck. My, my kids want a
4: pickup truck. I think truck. I would buy a pickup truck
5: before either of you would. Okay, that whatever. actually may be
4: true. I, yeah, I, I could put I the golf right. clubs back there. I, I guess maybe that's. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't have a big like power saw or something that. I'm, all right, I'm not handy. Okay, I've told you that before. I'm not handy. I admit it. <laughs> that I was go, a
5: dangerous pause. Joe. I go
4: and I, I get the. I get sort of the shakes when I go into Home Depot looking for light bulbs because I'm overwhelmed <laughs> by what's what's going on in there.
5: Speaking of, uh, speaking of going into stores, Costco has started to bring back its popular free samples to some locations, but it is no longer the open smorgasbord that it used to be. Reports say that items are now prepackaged and they are kept behind plexiglass shields. Hard pass on that for me, but Costco suspended the samples back in early March amid the spread of the coronavirus. Andrew.
6: Okay, and then, get this, guys, in New York City, private electric scooters and bicycles have become legalized in all five boroughs by the city council. Remember, we used to have a debate about uh, scooters and the like. The council also approving a shared scooter pilot program. Companies can apply for permits to operate in the four non-Manhattan boroughs. Lime, Bird, Lift, and Spin, owned by Ford, have said they will apply. And for years, food delivery uh, companies and workers have... Uh, called for these changes. The city council speaker tweeting yesterday that uh, the bill delivered justice to the workers who kept the city running during the pandemic. So um, we always worried about all these things on the sidewalks and on the streets, but the world's changed. Boy, yeah. has the world changed in just the past couple of months. I, I, I just saw
4: a motorized scooter go flying up. Um, and that's one way, I think, uh, it yeah. is out there, and he just yeah. went flying up, what is that, 7th Avenue. I will say that our, our, our Times Square indicator, there's, there is, you can't tell there. Out in front of us, the guy with the bagels is back and uh, the sandwiches. You guys, I don't know if you've seen that. And, and a minute ago, oh, there, yeah. there yeah, were about eight people in line waiting. to. And that's, these are things we haven't seen, and, uh, and there's some traffic going by. So our, our Times Square indicator is definitely uh, coming to light, but uh, I would say most people have have masks on, and uh, and there are a lot of police.
2: That's Squawk Pod for today and for another week. Week number 15 of social distance and in-closet podcasting. Thanks for sticking with us. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 AM Eastern. Subscribe to Squawk Pod. Tell a friend to subscribe. And if you'd be so kind, Leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other listeners find Squawk Pod. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a good weekend.
6: What malarkey will we talk about next week?
2: With the Wells Fargo
0: Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking.